Today, we have an exciting episode where we will be diving into the modern world of psychedelics with Matt. Matt Zeman is the author of the best-selling book, Psychedelics for Everyone, a beginner's guide to these powerful medicines for anxiety, depression, addiction, PTSD, and expanding consciousness, as well as Beyond the Trip, a journal for psychedelic preparation and integration. With a master's degree from King's College London, he has studied the effects of psychedelics on the mind and the potential for these experiences to serve as a catalyst for positive transformations. A dedicated explorer of the inner world and a passionate advocate for the safe and sacred use of psychedelics, Matt serves as the executive director of Sacred Path Community. Welcome to Wellbeing Starts Here, the transformative podcast brought to you by Wellbeing. Are you a busy professional striving for a modern, comprehensive well-being experience? Are you tired of the status quo? Do you want more for your life? Well, Wellbeing was built for you. We know that nobody's got time to scour the internet for the best advice covering topics like fitness, finance, mindfulness, and hundreds more. That's why we've gathered the creme de la creme of experts all in one place just for you. Create an account for free today at wellbeing.ai. Don't wait. Start your transformative journey today. Today, really excited to uh, jump on the podcast with Matt Zeman. Matt, how are you doing today? Zach, I'm doing well and glad to hear it's getting a little cooler down there in Texas. It, it is. It's still warm for some parts, but you know what? I'll, we'll, we'll take not 100 degrees. How about that? I see the vest on, so that is an indication that it's getting cooler. Yes, yes, very much so. Well, you know, I, I've had the chance to kind of just learn more about you. I'd love to just maybe could you kick off with a little bit of introduction just a, about yourself for, for those that don't know Matt. Yeah, I'm happy to. I mean, I was a uh, entrepreneur for many years, built a, a number of businesses. And 2019, some friends invited me to do a guided magic mushroom or psilocybin journey and uh, completely changed the way I look and view at the world. I mean, I was a non-drug user. Um and um, yeah, I was able to reconnect with my mom. I was able to understand, like, feel incredibly safe and loved and realize that I did not feel safe and loved in my everyday life. Um, had insight after insight and just wanted to learn more. So I went into a, a, a deep dive, ended up going back to school to get a master's in psychology and neuroscience and mental health, and then traveled around experiencing different psychedelics from different types of facilitators. And then that led to my first book, which is Psychedelics for Everyone, and uh, and then led to the work I'm doing now with community building and working with a psychedelic or entheogenic is the term we use, churches, because the uh, in our opinion, the psychedelic is actually a sacrament. And uh, it's working with them and working with medical communities to uh, develop best practices and keep uh, the sacred and safe use of psychedelics. Well, I am very excited to double and maybe even triple click, but we'll see into some of those things you just <laughs> went through. I, I, I know this is a topic that I think many are interested in, but admittedly, probably most just don't have any understanding of it. Um, I'd love to just start with too, kind of uh, what, maybe you could share your journey, kind of what brought you to 2019, where you were kind of like, yes, you know what, I'm ready to start this journey and go go experience uh, psychedelics with your friend. You know, I, it was, I, I'd like to say that I had a lot of intentions and expectations, but the reality is I didn't. Um, it was something that we had been talking about. We, some of us had read Michael Pollan's book, and it just seemed interesting, 
but it wasn't like I wasn't searching to heal any specific trauma. Um, I went into it kind of reluctantly and with really low expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't understand. I kind of knew about the, I knew about the, the visuals and um, yeah, those kind of hallucinations, but I didn't at all understand that it was going to change the way I feel, the way I think about myself, the way I think about myself in relation to nature, the way I think about a higher power. Um, I had no idea. Um, yeah, it was uh, completely, <laughs> completely changed. And then I didn't know that I would have many, many, many more journeys after that and continue to learn with every journey. I didn't know that was possible. So again, super grateful for that opportunity and for all the things that have come forth from there. Well, that's um, that's awesome. I mean, it sounds like you did some reading and learning beforehand. So, I mean, for most of our listeners, my guess is they they've never even taken that step. So maybe we can even just take it back down to zero and just kind of like, what are psychedelics? So when you're kind of talking about it for today, just help set the context, kind of what's the scope of that term for this discussion? Yeah, when people talk about psychedelics, they talk about a classification of drug or medicine or sacrament, depending on your language, that is mind manifesting or mind expanding. Mm -hmm. Um, So the only legal psychedelic we have here in the States right now is ketamine. It's legal in all 50 states and it's prescribed off-label primarily for depression, anxiety, some alcohol use, um, but that's uh, there's some pain management things, and that's a legal option. And then here in the United States, the FDA has given breakthrough therapy designation to two other psychedelics, one called MDMA. Uh, many of us knew that as ecstasy when we were younger, and one called psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in what's more commonly known as magic mushrooms. MDMA should be re-legalized here in the States early next year. The uh, They've finished a phase three clinical trial, a group called MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies has raised, I think about $140 million to re-legalize it. And in the phase three clinical trials, they were working with people with treatment-resistant post-traumatic stress disorder. So wow. picture your veterans, your first responders, people, uh, victims of sexual assault, where nothing has worked. None of the existing talk therapies or pharmacological solutions. They've given them three sessions of MDMA with therapy on both sides, and 67% no longer qualify as having PTSD, and 88% had a clinically significant improvement in symptoms. So incredible numbers. It's, it gives us real hope um, for this this very challenging um, situation to have some relief, and we're excited. And then psilocybin, Johns Hopkins is one of the um, institutions really pushing on that. They've been studying it for people with terminal, um, I think terminal cancer diagnoses. So the psilocybin isn't there to change the prognosis. What it is, it's it's there to change the way those people with that uh, diagnosis spends that last chapter of their life and the way they interact with their family. And we're hoping that we're a couple of years away from that being legalized here in the States as well. Yeah. I mean, post COVID, I think one of the things that have really, I think been exposed to the public is the growth of these mental health issues and the the fact that how many people were probably suffering in silence. So I think it's just really interesting to hear some of the 
applications of this. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, like you mentioned ketamine, that's something that um, I've come across online. It looks like there's there online clinics and there's some kind of locally as well. But when you're talking about like how people can access these sort of um, sacraments or other things, like what does that look like today? Um, how, yeah. how do you see people accessing those tools? Yeah. So there are really three models that we Americans use to access psychedelics. The first model is the medical model. And that's for people who really, they want a prescription. They want to uh, work with somebody with a licensure of some sort. They want their medicine from a pharmacy. Um, so ketamine would be the way to access that. I'm going to stick on this for just a second. Mm -hmm. There are two primary ways people access ketamine. It's either in clinic or at home. Those who go into a clinic will either get an IV right, or a shot or a, uh, a nasal spray or a lozenge. And, um, and then those at home will typically only do the lozenge. There's some other ways to get ketamine, but these are the most common. What's important for, for people who are looking at this model to know is they need to ask some questions. They need to ask their provider, what's your experience with ketamine? Have you ever used ketamine on yourself? So that they, do they know what it feels like? Do they help me prepare with intention setting uh, for this experience? When I'm actually in the experience, who's in the room with me? Um, do you give me music? What's the setting going to be like? And then after the experience, what type of integration work or how do you help me unpack what was seen or revealed during the ketamine sessions? Hmm. Um, there's no right or wrong answer, but with those questions asked, you can then find out if you need to supplement the services being provided with some of your own services. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that that's super important for, for participants to know the, um, the at-home model and full disclosure, I'm, inv I'm an investor in an at-home ketamine provider. Um, I think that's very good for people who need access. Uh, in, in a clinic is going to be somewhere between $500 and $1,000 per session. Most mm. people start with six sessions in the first three weeks. And then wow. they go on to maybe it's once a quarter or once every couple months or once a year. Um, it just depends on, on why they're there and how it's worked. The at-home model is about $1,200 for six sessions. So it's much less expensive, but you also get less services. So again, just something to be aware of when insurance isn't covering this. Um, I think the at-home model is great for providing access to people who can't afford it, but um, the in-clinic is typically a more uh, robust offering. Does that make sense, Zach? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it does. Um, and I think as you're talking through that experience, my assumption was some of those supplementary things around there. It sounds like that's something that maybe isn't found commonly, but I think you're calling out is probably an important thing to be really evaluating as you go into this journey. It's interesting. There are, there are some people in the medical community who believe that ketamine is just a biochemical reaction. It's going to work in your glutamate system and it's going to, um, and it let the medicine do what the medicine does. And, um, Typically, those are uh, those clinics are run by nurse anesthesiologists who take your vitals and they give you your ketamine and and you recover for an hour and then they send you home. Yeah. Um. There's others who believe it's a biochemical, psychosocial, spiritual um, experience, and they really want to make sure you have those other services around it. Mm -hmm. Um. So just a, just a philosophical difference. Both are legal. Um. But it's really consumer beware on a on which one and which one you want, which one feels right for you. Um, 
you've got medical prescription. It sounds like you can kind of go into the clinics as well. Is, is there a kind of a third kind of category you'd say where you are able to access um, it in a different way? For ketamine, those, that's really the primary way. So then you move away from medical and I'm going to do uh, decriminalization is I guess what I'd call the next one. We've heard about okay. Oregon decriminalizing psychedelics, Colorado, some cities in California, uh, Detroit, Ann Arbor, DC, Portland, Maine, a bunch of cities have decriminalized some psychedelics. So what does that mean? That means not that it's legal, but that those cities and states have told their police do not spend any resources pursuing these um, people who are using these substances. And there, there's different boundaries about how much and, and, and whether you bought it or sold it or gave it. Um, what's important for people to understand on why decriminalization, that the philosophy is uh, no adult should tell another adult that they can't put nature in their bodies. Mm -hmm. um, there's a beautiful movement called Decrim Nature that's out there, um, and they have chapters all over the country. Um, and I get that. What I think is super important to, to wrap our heads around is um, it's an access issue. So for people who can't afford medical ketamine, there's psilocybin growing all over the country, as an example. Um, if it's decriminalized, that's another way for people to have access to it. So um, I think it's, again important to understand. The third mm -hmm. way people access psychedelics in America are through churches. There mm -hmm. are probably 200, maybe more, probably more psychedelic churches in America. Really? And these wow. are organizations, yeah, that have a deep spiritual belief that is as part of their religion, they need to use this medicine to access a higher power, to deepen their relationship with whatever that is. And higher power, it's actually funny, I use the word higher but most of these churches, I, I think, would say they actually believe the power is not above you, it's inside of you. Mm. Um, and that the, the medicine, sacrament in their case, allows you to access and remember who you are, that you are loved and you are powerful and you are worthy and you are enough, and that you don't need external validation to know those things. Um, mm. It reminds you that you are not separate from nature, but connected to nature. Um, and in many cases that you are a spiritual creature having a human experience. And, um, and these churches primarily operate underground. There's three churches in America that have been given an exemption from the DEA. There's a native American church and two specific offshoots of these, this Brazilian ayahuasca church that have been given an exemption, but the vast majority of these um, not only don't have the exemption, haven't even applied for it. And there's a long legal, it's, it's complicated, but, mm -hmm. um, and again, same questions that we were talking about for ketamine, you'd bring up to these people. If you're, yeah. if you're looking at it at a psychedelic church, what's your experience? Who's in the room? What's the music? What are the rules? What are you going to do before? What are you going to do after? Um, cause they range in, uh, they range greatly. And they all use, not they all, but there's many different sacraments. Some use uh, psilocybin, some use ayahuasca, some use MDA or sassafras, some use bufo, some use combinations. So um, again, asking the questions, what is the medicine? How long is it going to last? Who's in the room? Do you have men and female in the, taking care of me? Are you allowed to touch me or not touch me in this non-ordinary state? Ask the questions. Um, I think that's super helpful. I know a lot of people going into new experiences, just under, understanding what to do before, what questions to ask. I think a lot of people probably don't even know where to start. So I appreciate you calling some of those out. 
is there other things that you would just recommend kind of people new exploring this kind of on their own as ways to kind of maybe reduce the risk or kind of some guidance you'd give people that are just starting here and starting that process outside of some of those uh, great questions you just outlined? Yeah, I think there's three S's that Johns Hopkins talks about. Source, set, and setting. So source is where did your medicine come from? Is it pure? Mm -hmm. If you're doing it in the medical model, it's coming from a pharmacy. You can check that off the box. But if it's uh, if it's in the underground church world or psychedelic tourism world, where did that? Or if you bought it yourself, where did it come from? So making sure you feel very comfortable with the facilitator of your ceremonies. Do they do this all the time, or is this something they do part time? If you bought it yourself, get the drugs checked. Um, use uh, go to Dance Safe or Drug Checker, and make sure what you have, what you bought, is what you think you bought. Mm -hmm. Assuming your source is pure. The next thing is set, which is your mindset. So whoever you're working with, do they tell you all those questions, the answers to those questions that we talked about before? Are you clear on your intention? Are you doing this for yourself? Are you doing this for someone else? If you're doing it for someone else and it's not an enthusiastic yes from yourself, don't do it. Um, but if it is a yes and you understand I'm going to be taking X medicine and it's going to take Y hours and I feel great about the facilitator and I feel great about the space, okay, that's a good for your mindset. And then set is your, I'm sorry, uh, source set and setting is the third one. Setting is your physical environment. Do you, um, do you have control over the environment? Do you know what the music's going to be or that there is music or no music? Um, are there going to be neighbors or dogs or kids interrupting you? Are the other people who you're with, do they understand the rules that they're supposed to allow you to journey yourself and not interrupt your process? Um, do you have a balance of energy between men and male and female or do you not want a balance of energy? But what is that physical environment like and are you comfortable with it? Research mm -hmm. shows that if you've taken time to, to set, uh, uh, worry about set, 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 source, set, and setting in advance, that um, the probability of having a truly bad trip is, is very small. You can have a challenging trip, but that's different than a bad trip. I'll say one more thing on this. Um, many people think that, okay, I want to do psychedelics. And they initially think I want to do it by myself or myself with a guide. What I'd ask those people to think about is how for thousands of years were psychedelics given in a one-on-one -on -one setting? And the answer is no, they were given in group ceremonies. We can go back to the, um, we can go back to the indigenous communities from all over North, North America, South America, Central America. We can look at the shaman in, in, in Siberia. We can look at the practices in Europe. We can look at the tribes in Africa. It was a group ceremony. And the reason why, in my opinion, is when you take an entheogen or a psychedelic in a group setting, all the energy is not on you. It's spread out amongst the room. So maybe, Zach, you're having a release and I'm not, and I'm sending you energy and vice versa. Then when the ceremony's over, maybe you share something or maybe I share and say, hey, you know what? In this ceremony, my, I got to hold my dad's hand a hundred times and it was really interesting for me because he was a, 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 a huge alcoholic and had trouble expressing true love. I didn't feel it. But on this journey, I remember that in his way, he tried to show me he loved me. And then maybe that connects to something on your journey. And that healing goes back and forth and ping pongs around. And my healing is your healing and your healing is my healing. And my connection is your connection. And we're all connected. Oh. And it's it's really powerful. So I highly recommend groups, but then going back to asking the questions, how many people will be in the room with me? And I'm 
So there's there's a uh, a very popular ayahuasca retreat center in Costa Rica that does about 100 people at a time. In my opinion, for me, that's too many. There's other ayahuasca groups and, and um, entheogenic churches that are more like 40 people at a time. Again, for, I, I know they do great work. And for me, it's just more than I would like. I think 20-ish is a great number, 15 to 22, something like that is enough people that you don't know everybody, enough people that you don't have to, there's no pressure. Um, you're just one of a, you're, you're enough, there's enough anonymity, anonymity, but there's also a, a lot of really solid, intimate energy sharing. And uh, the that's just my opinion. Someone else might say, nope, I want to do it by myself. I want a group of six or I want a group of a hundred. And that's okay. It's whatever you want. But uh, it's just, again, something to be aware of. It's super interesting to kind of think of in the context of like almost like a web and each one kind of grows on itself and how that could kind of play into this. It's, it's something I've, I've never thought about. Um, so when we talked a little bit earlier about like kind of the medical reasons for things like ketamine, like PTSD, mm-hmm. bipolar, severe depression, those things. But I'm curious if you kind of take a step away, just ketamine, just psychedelics in general, how have you seen this help people increase their well-being? Um what, what are some examples of things that you've kind of observed or experienced and the various aspects of well-being that you think you've seen this kind of help people guide people through? So I think this is a super interesting question, Zach. Um, and I think the root of that question is like, why are we even having this conversation today? <laughs> um, I think we're having this conversation today because we look around our society and we see depression and anxiety and mental health challenges on the rise. We see suicide on the rise. We see life expectancy on the decline. We see um, significant deaths from alcohol and smoking. Um, there, there's challenges in our yeah. society. And the other thing we see is a lot of the lens pointed outward. Zach, I'm not going to, you have to change the way you address me. You have to change the way you talk to me. You have to make, be aware of all of my triggers so that you can't trigger me or you won't trigger me. And if you do, I'm not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I think the lens is pointed in the wrong direction. I think that takes away our power as humans mm-hmm. to be responsible for our own lives and our own happiness. Um, if we turn the lens inward and we say, I need to know at my core, that I'm loved, that I'm enough, that I'm worthy, and that I'm powerful. And then I can hear whatever it is you say, whatever mistakes you make differently. And then I can respond and correct or or adjust or ignore, depending on how I feel about that. But now the power is in my hands, and I'm not Mm -hmm. just waiting for the world to change. An example is like, uh, I I don't feel well, so I'm going to go to the doctor, I'm going to get a prescription for you. It just doesn't work. So this is, so in my opinion, psychedelics are prescription for us and it changes, literally changes um, the way we think. It breaks our repetitive thinking patterns, allows us to think in ways that we haven't thought um, or neurons to fire that haven't fired in a long time to have this remembrance and then to move forward with that remembrance and start making behavioral change in a state of, uh, of really rich neuroplasticity. And that's exciting. Um, and it puts the power back in each of us to, to be responsible for ourselves. This is our movie mm-hmm. and we're all creating our, 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 we're hundred percent accountable for all the things in it. 
that's power for us. And, and I think psychedelics at its core does that. So then you can go back and say, why does this work on depression, anxiety, OCD, eating disorders, substance use, PTSD? Why does it work? Because it's getting to the root. It's getting mm-hmm. to the root and allowing us then to heal and, to, and, and, and sorry, root of loneliness and to realize that we are interconnected and again, to move forward with that knowledge. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I think you're right on. I think one of the things that drove these early conversations is most people we're finding just aren't okay with the status quo, I, I think. And the other kind of part of that coin was people are kind of realizing as you even start to explore well-being a little bit more, it is a deeply personal thing. It's an end thing. There is no kind of external playbook for everybody to follow and say, this is how you do it. Um it is something that needs to be tailored. It needs to come from the inside. And I think that's why I was um, so excited about this conversation, because in a lot of ways, it seems like this, to your point, kind of the viewpoint, it's kind of focusing on a kind of a similar uh, approach to unlock that. Um, well, that that's super interesting. I love that. I, so just um, as we're kind of coming to the end, I'd love to just for people that just want to learn more. Um love for you to just to share a little bit about some resources out there um, that you think people could um, go access today, maybe start that journey. Maybe they've read one thing and they want to learn more. Just well, what, what would you recommend for um, uh, our listeners that are really wanting to go dive a little bit deeper? Yeah, Zach, thank you for asking that. So, so first of all, my book is called Psychedelics for Everyone, but I don't mean that everyone should take a psychedelic. Mm. What I want them to do is read this book and decide whether a psychedelic is right for them for someone they love, or just might change and influence how they vote in the next election. Um, But if you have particular medical history, um, whether you're taking prescriptions or supplements, or you have something in your um, mental health background or physical background, you want a consultation, Dr. Ben Malcolm, spiritpharmacist.com is who I recommend you go to. He does consults all the time. He's an expert in psychedelic pharmacology and he has nothing to sell you. He just wants to give you an intake or he's just willing to give you an intake to a, or sorry, consultation to help you make the best decision for whatever you're going to do. So it's, he's really operating out of a harm reduction model. Um, it's, it's, yeah. So I think you get a straightforward answer from someone who has no other agenda. He's not trying to sell you a retreat or a ceremony or a medical service or any of that. He's just giving you information and you can talk to him candidly about anything you've used, anything you're thinking about using, and he'll give you candid, straightforward answers. So spiritpharmacist.com can't recommend it enough. So that's a great resource. If you're looking to have a conversation with a loved one, maybe you're thinking, maybe you want to do this and your partner's scared, or or maybe you want to do this with your parents or your kids. Uh, Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind in Netflix series, four one-hour segments, easy Mm -hmm. to digest great conversation starters. And the other great conversation starter is Fantastic Fungi. Um, really a beautiful film uh, celebrating the work of, of Paul Stamets and uh, Louis Schwartzberg does the cinematography and um, direction. Just absolutely gorgeous, easily digestible, leads to great conversations. And then I'm happy to do, I have a, if you go to my website, which is mattzeman.com, I, you can book a discovery call with me. And I'm again, I'm happy to uh, to take that discovery call, um, there's a nominal fee. And if you can't afford the fee, just just check the free, take the free version. I'm happy to do it. I want to do it. And if I can help you think through your process, I'm happy to help you um, think through it. 
Um, so, um, and then I'm, I'm also active on LinkedIn. I'm active on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, feel free to, uh, to reach me on any of those platforms. Well, that's awesome. I'll, I'll definitely for listeners, try to grab all that, put it in the notes so you can go access it later. Um, well, Matt, I, I just want to thank you for today. I know I, I continue to learn every time you and I get a chance to talk. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's always good. And I know this is going to be really uh, insightful for a lot of our listeners today. So just thank you a lot for, for taking the time. Zach, I'm happy to do it. I appreciate you having this conversation. You bring this to your listeners. It's, a, it's important for people to educate themselves again, whether this, uh, psychedelics for them, for someone they love or, or in how they're going to vote. So I really appreciate you doing this. Awesome. And thank you for all the listeners out there for following us, um, for sharing the content and giving those five-star ratings. Um, we'll go ahead and post all this out at wellbe.ai so you can access all the links and resources we talked about today with Matt. Um, thank you all. <laughs>